Alright, look here with me at First Peter. I've titled my message this evening Elect, Redeemed, Regenerated, and Preserved. And every one of them right here in front of us. <laughs> Simon Peter, he is the one who wrote this. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. He wrote two epistles. This is his first one, and you see it's called a general epistle. And the reason it's called a general epistle or general letter is because it is an address to any particular person or particular church. You know, Paul wrote to Philemon, wrote to Philippians, to Colossians, but but here he just he's not addressing it to any particular person or church. But he's protect uh, he's, he's writing it to Christians, to believers, saints. Scattered abroad. That's what he says. Scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And I tell you, and 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 he and he and and he's written and he shows us over here in First Peter chapter five. Let me show you where it's written from. Show you where it's written from and who who he sends used to send it to scattered abroad to all the saints around scattered abroad. Here in verse twelve he says. About Silvanus. Now, Silvanus is the same person as Silas, the one who traveled with the Apostle Paul. That's who that is. That's Silas, a faithful brother unto you. As I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying. Now, listen, this is the theme of this message. This is the reason he wrote this book that this is the true grace, true grace wherein you stand. And then, watch what he says the church is at Babylon. Now that's where he's writing from. He's in the church at Babylon. Elected together with you. Salute you and so doeth Marcus my son. So he wrote it from Babylon to God's elect wherever they are. And that's what he said. We came to the main purpose of this letter is to declare unto you the true grace of God. And you stand in that grace of God. Now when we talk about standing in grace... Everything about our salvation is grace. If we stand today, we stand by grace and we stand in grace. Not only do we rejoice in the grace of God, but the scriptures teaches us that God put us in grace and we stand in that grace. Now what does that mean? That means that we're not going to get out of grace. We're not going to get out of it in our preaching. We're not going to get out of it in our thinking. We're not going to get out of it in our worship. We're not going to get out of it in our testimony. We're not going to get out of it from the scriptures. We're going to stand in the grace of God. Now you hold that and look over in Romans 5 and let me show you what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 5. And I'll tell you something about Simon Peter, the, the, the uh, Roman Catholic Church. They say Peter was the successor of Christ. They use what our Lord said to Peter in Matthew chapter 16, Upon this rock I build my church. And they told him how he was blessed to understand that Christ was the Son of God. And they say that Peter was the successor of Christ, and then the first pope was the successor after Simon Peter. Well, I tell you, Peter doesn't call him a successor of Christ. He doesn't call himself the, uh, uh, the Pope. He doesn't call himself the vicar of Christ. He doesn't call himself the head of the church. You know, all he calls himself is the apostle of Jesus Christ. That's all he calls himself, an apostle of Jesus Christ. But look what he said here in Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Now watch this, wherein we stand. <laughs> and what do we do standing in this grace, being justified by this faith? We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That's reason to rejoice, ain't it? Reason to rejoice. Now back over here in our text. And look what he says now. He said, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers. The Lord's people are strangers wherever they at. But he says they're scattered abroad. He's writing to people who've been driven from their homes, driven from their lands by persecution for the sake of Christ and his gospel. And you know who was responsible for a lot of that? You look in Acts chapter 8 and I'll show you. These things, you know, when we, when, we, when we find these things in one epistle, we look in, and we find out what they're talking about because it actually happened. And so he's, and this is what it says here in Romans chapter 8. And here's Saul. He was the one who became the Apostle Paul. And Saul was consenting unto his death. Verse 1, eight, Roman, uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church was at Jerusalem. And listen to this. And they were scattered, all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial, made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church in and into every house. And hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. And it says in, in, in Acts chapter 11, also this says there was through persecution, they were scattered abroad. In fact, they had to, they had to leave the homes, they had to leave families, they had to go and find some place to live. And that's what they did. Said, and they did that and they were scattered abroad. They had to leave their homes for the sake of Christ and His gospel. And then look what he says here in chapter in verse 2. Here's our, my first point. Elect. Elect. Love that word election. Love it. Cherish it. Think about it. Love it. But elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, beloved believers and Christians are called the elect of God. And you know why? Because He chose them to be His elect. It's He that done the choosing. And He, the Scripture says that God, beloved, we're bound always to thank God for you because God has from the beginning chosen you unto salvation through sanctification and belief of the truth. And He told the Thessalonians over in 1 Thessalonians, He said, Beloved, knowing your election of God, how do you know it? Because you received the word of truth. And everywhere you go, and as many as were ordained to eternal life, what did they do? They believed. And I tell you, the cause of our election is this, according to the foreknowledge of God. That's the reason of our election. It's found only in that it pleased God. Reason, the only reason we're one of God's elect, and we can call ourselves one of God's elect, is because it pleased God to do it. We cannot never, ever find any reason in ourselves that God would choose us. She sung it tonight, you know, and there's one old hymn says, Lord, if thou hast not chosen me, I never would have chosen thee. If thou hast not set the banquet and bid me come, I never would have come. And that's the way it is. Look over in Matthew 11 with me, and I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about. You know, uh, 
And I tell you, you find so many places in the scriptures where it says that it pleased God to make you His people. It pleased and we're 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 accepted in the beloved according to the good pleasure of His will. His will. And I tell you, if it pleases Him, I'm thankful, so thankful. But look what our Lord said here in Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank Thee, O Father, my Father. You're the Lord of heaven and earth. You're the sovereign of this world. And I thank You that You've hid these things, the truths of the gospel, the truth of Christ and His glory and His power and His saving grace and His Godhead and all that He is. I thank You've hid them from the wise and prudent and has revealed them unto babes. Now listen to how, what He says about it. Even so, Father, for it seemed good in Thy sight. <laughs> Our Lord says, You hid it from all these fools around here. People thought they had all the answers. And he said, people that just babies that didn't know nothing, he said, that's who you revealed yourself to. And all oh, beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ said he knows his sheep, and his sheep would know him. And I tell you, the scripture says, for whom he did foreknow, them he also did call, them he called, he also justified, them he justified, he also glorified. What are we going to say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Who shall lay a charge to God's elect? It's Christ that died. And oh, and you know what the means He uses to call His elect? Look what it says there in the verse. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. And I tell you, God, when He talks about foreknowing somebody, that means that He don't just look down through time and see what somebody's going to do. He, he, he foreknows everything's going to happen because He predestinated and ordained everything to happen. I mean, he knew us. He knows. He know. He knew us before we ever was. And when we come into this world, he had our bounds set for us. He had the hairs of our head numbered, the steps ordered for us, and the time we would believe, and the how long we would believe, and how much we would believe. Everything about our lives, God Himself has chose and ordained for us in this world. I believe that with all my heart. If I thought for one minute, one hair on my head was out under the providence and sovereignty and grace of God and His electing purpose, I'd be scared to death. Oh, bless His name. Ain't you glad that He said, Oh, thank you, Father. It seemed good in your sight. And if it seemed good in God's sight, it's sure enough good in ours. Oh, whatever pleases Him just tickles us to death. And look at the means He uses to call His elect. And manifest who they are. He said, through sanctification of the Spirit. (laughs) You know, God's a God of means. God's a God of means. And He uses sanctification of the Spirit. And I already quoted to you where in belief of the truth. Now I'll tell you this, there's no way a man... Anybody can be saved without the Spirit of God. And when it talks about the Spirit of sanctification, that means the Spirit lays hold on you. And He begins to separate you from yourself and your sin and your rebellion 
He begins to separate you and make you miserable in the condition you're in. And as he's separating you, he starts bringing you to a knowledge of the truth. And I tell you, as he keeps bringing you and keeps separating you, he brings you to you have nothing left that you can do but say, I surrender. Yes, that's the truth. And I mean, when he lays hands on you to bring you to Christ, I may not know it. Nobody sitting beside you may not know it. The only person who knows it is the one that God's got his hand on, making him, bringing him, separating him, and bringing him to Christ. That's all sanctification means. I'm going to set you apart, and I'm going to set you apart to the truth. I'm going to set you apart to Christ. I'm going to set you apart to, to, to make you understand that God is all and in all. And I tell you, you can't be saved without it. And I tell you the truth, and, they, and he brings the truth to the heart and to the will. That's why I said, you know, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, how are they going to call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? You've got to hear about Him. Oh, listen. So, you know, elect. Elect. I've got, got a four or five point message on election. I'm going to preach here pretty soon. But look what else it says now. And then we're redeemed. Look what he says. Through faith sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> the elect, they've been redeemed. They've been bought. They've been paid for. How have they been paid for? With the blood of Christ. Or oh, with the precious blood of Christ. And you know what the end of election is? It's to bring us unto the obedience of Christ. To bring us to where we trust Christ, know Christ, and we come to the sprinkling of the blood of Christ. You see, it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all of our sin and justifies us before God. Now, I'll show you that over here in Hebrews. Look with me in chapter 9, just a minute. Hebrews is just one book back. James and then Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Look what he says here. Oh, listen. God says that He'd bring every thought, every high thing that exalts itself unto the obedience of Jesus Christ. And that means that, beloved, He's going to bring us down and we're going to submit and rejoice in Christ's obedience and what He accomplished in His obedience. And that's what, when He talks about His obedience, He's talking about His person and His work and what He accomplished in His life and in His death. He was obedient even unto the death of the cross. And so when it comes talks about us coming to the obedience of Christ, it don't mean that we just bow down and obey Him in every way. We're coming to trust and rest in His obedience that He rendered to the law, to justice, to God, and death, and sin, and everything that was against us. We've come to His obedience. We ain't got none. But He has. That's what He's talking about. But look here in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Well, let's look back up here in verse 21 first. Talking about Moses. He's, Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry and almost all things by the law are purged with blood and without shedding of blood. There's no remission. 
And all the time they took the blood. Every time they offered a sacrifice, the first thing they done is when they got that bloodshed, they walked up to the altar and they sprinkled it on the ground before the before the altar. Every time they done that, they did that when they went onto the mercy seat. They sprinkled blood. They took blood out of that basin and sprinkled it. Because you know why? They've got to stand on the obedience and on the blood and can't approach even the altar without blood. And we can't approach, we can't, certainly if they couldn't approach the altar, the blood had to be before the altar before they offered the sacrifice. You had to have a blood standing before God and there had to be a perfect standing based not on what you did, but on the atoning sacrifice. And so see that, and then look what it said down here in Hebrews 9.14. Now listen to this. In verse 13, For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctified, set apart to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works, to serve the living God. What does that mean? You say, well, I ain't got no works. Every work I've done for I know Christ was dead, dead, dead because I was a dead dog sinner and all a dead dog sinner can do is produce a dead work. Ain't that right? That's what Paul means. said, everything I've done for I knew Christ can't be done. You know why? Dead works. Dead works. And all beloved, and I say he was delivered for offenses and raised for our justification. And I tell you, with the blood cleanses from all sins, and we are freely justified by His blood through the grace of God. Freely justified by His blood. So we're elect, we're redeemed, and oh, let's see, I've got my yep, 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 these things sticking together. You know, it's it's humidity's bad stuff. There we go. Regeneration. <laughs> Elect, redeemed, and regenerated. Look what it says down now in verse verse three. And all Peter breaks into praise, just like the Apostle Paul does. How I many when Paul started talking about election and started talking about all the blessings we have in Christ in the new birth, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh my, he breaks out into praise. He starts out blessing, blessing God and how blessed God is and how blessed God is to be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look what he blesses him for. He says he blesses because he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ had a Father. And our Father became, his Father became our Father. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what he blessed him for. He'd been blessing for everything before. But look what he says here now. Which according to his abundant mercy. He starts praising him for his abundant mercy. And this is the cause of all we have. From election to eternity in glory. The scripture says that God is rich in mercy. His mercy endureth forever. And oh, according to His own mercy, He saved us, not according to our works, but according to His own mercy. He regenerated us, justified us. Nothing we ever done. And I tell you, mercy, mercy, mercy. He's the Father of mercies. 
And I tell you, mercies, mercies, mercies. What David says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Not his goodness is going to follow me. But God's goodness and mercy is going to follow him all the days of his life. And not only does it follow us, but it goes before us. <laughs> he said his mercy endures forever. Now how long is that? You think we're going to wear out God's mercy asking Him for it all the time? How many times a day do you say, Lord, have mercy? Oh, God, be merciful. When you pray for somebody else, you say, Lord, oh, Lord, have mercy toward them. Oh, Lord, be gracious toward them. Oh, Lord, help them. How many times have you reckoned you've used the word mercy in your life as a believer? Have you wore it out yet? You reckon God's going to run out of it because we just keep asking Him? No, He said it'll endure. Boy, when you, 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 just, you, just, you, you think, boy, I just can't say, you know, I just all ask for. It just keeps on going. It just keeps on enduring. It keeps on enduring. In spite of us, it endures. It endures. And then look what He says. He blesses Him for, for His abundant mercy. And here's what He has. This is why I'm talking about regeneration. The new birth hath begotten us again, regenerated us, gave us the new birth unto a living hope. A living hope. You know why it says He hath begotten us again? Because we were begotten wrong the first time. Peter says it over in 2 Peter. He says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed. That's all we was be born with with the first time was with a corruptible seed. When we're begotten the second time with the new birth, we're begotten with an incorruptible seed by the word of God. And that's like Nicodemus. When Nicodemus, our Lord said, Nicodemus, except you be born again, you can't see or enter the kingdom of God. He said, How can this be? How can a man be born again? Can a man as old as I am, like me, enter into my mother's womb and come out again? Is that what you're talking about? Our Lord says, no, 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 no. That is born of the flesh. is flesh. Go on back to your mama. Go on and you'll still come out flesh. You'll still, you've got to be born of the Spirit. You, Spirit of God must come and do something for you and blow on you. And he said, if I talk to you about earthly things, about birth, and you know that birth is something that somebody you didn't have nothing to do with, you didn't choose your mother, you didn't choose your daddy, where you'd be born, anything about it. He said, so if that's the way it is and you can't understand the natural things I talk to you, how in the world are you going to get if I talk to you about heavenly things? You know how you understand heavenly things? When you're born again. Ain't that right? When you're born again, you don't understand. You ain't got. To, you don't even suspect nothing until the Spirit of God saves you by His grace. And then He says He begot us to a living hope. Living hope. You know what that means? It's not based on us or on our dead works. It's a living hope. I mean, it's a hope that lives, lives within. It's like faith is alive. Faith is a living principle in this. Hope and faith are twin brothers and twin sisters and born in the heart at the same time. If you got faith, you got hope. You got hope, you got faith. 
Without faith, you ain't got neither. And that's what we do. Faith gives us this living hope. I talked about that Sunday night. I said, you know, death, death believers don't die. It's the body that dies. The believer, he lives on. He, don't, he passes into glory. He passes really into life. And the reason you pass into life is because you have life here. It's the body that's going to die. It's not the spirit. It's not the soul. It's that soul. And that's what he says. We have a living hope. And I'll tell you something about hope and faith. The minute you get to glory, hope dies, love dies, faith dies. The only thing that exists after you get into glory is the love that you had in your heart by the Spirit of God. That's the only thing that will remain. Is, is the love that God put in our hearts. And I tell you, look at it. said how He begot us again under this living hope. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. How do you know that you got this living hope? Christ rose from the dead because He lives. I shall live. <laughs> you said you can't believe in me and die. Martha said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother had to die. He says, Martha, Martha, your brother's going to live again. Oh, I know he is in the last day in the resurrection. He said, Martha, don't you know that I'm the resurrection? The resurrection ain't on a day. It's me. You believe in me and you have life already. I'm the resurrection. I give life. I've got the power to raise you from the dead. I've got the power to quicken you from your sins. I'm the resurrection right now and I'm the life. Don't wait for a day. I'm that resurrection. And that's what he says you know by the resurrection of Christ. And because he lives, we live. When he quickened from the tomb, he took us up with him. And all oh, he died for our sins and rose again for our justification. And who is he that's going to condemn us? It's God that justifies us. And then look what else he begat us to. Oh my, he begotten us. And John, John himself, and Peter talks about the new birth in a couple other places. But the first thing that John talks about in his epistle, he said, He that's born of God overcomes the world and he that's begotten of him loves him that's begotten of him. And I tell you, begotten of God, that's, that's a miracle for God to, God himself to beget you and bring you into existence, bring a life into existence. A spiritual person. And then look what he begat us to. He begat us unto a living hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to this now. To an inheritance. <laughs> oh, to an inheritance. Well, I tell you what, most of us can go through our mothers and dads' inheritance pretty quick. I, well, all I got from my dad was a chair and a lawnmower. And a, and a water hose. <laughs> Bruce got something. I just carry some of his stuff home with you, didn't he? Didn't get anything from my mother. What did I get? Oh well, yeah, I got that later. Yeah, that was that was that was. Yeah, that was. Yeah, you're right about. It. But anyway, we're not talking about that. But it's an inheritance. All it was was just paying back. It just paid back some money I, that he owed me. He, you know, he still leave me an inheritance. I, I gave him. But anyway, leave that, leave that off. Here. 
But he began us to an inheritance. Mary, you've got to be quiet, sweetheart. Don't tell everything you know. Don't tell everything you know on the you know, don't let the cast out of the bag. <laughs> oh boy. And I'll tell you about this inheritance. Try to get serious if I can. But look over at Matthew six twenty with me just a minute. You know when this when this resurrection comes, when this inheritance comes, that our Lord Jesus Christ gave to us, you know, it's an inheritance that, that won't never, moth and rust and corruption never bother it. And, and over here in Matthew 6 and 20, look what our Lord said here. He said, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, or where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now listen. You know who laid up these treasures in heaven for us? Our Lord Jesus Christ did. He laid up in heaven for us an inheritance. And, and, and listen, you know what? What did he say there? Moth won't get it. I've seen things on television where people have so much money. And they would stash it away in walls and mattresses and stuff like that and when they went back to get it the rats had it all eat up or else it just crumbled just crumbled and that's what he's talking about he said you know treasures in heaven don't have nothing to do with physical currency moth and, and rust and stuff it'll rust your money it'll, 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 it'll eat you up thieves can break through and steal it but you know we have an inheritance and you know who laid up his treasure in heaven for us our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, there ain't no moth, no rust, no corruption. Go get on this inheritance. Because he laid it up for us in heaven. And I tell you what, beloved, and that's why he said in Colossians 1.12, giving thanks unto the Father who hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints already in glory. Huh? Oh my. And then look what else it says about our inheritance here in First Peter. It's incorruptible. That's what he meant, you know, about day. Nothing going to defile it. Nothing going to defile it. And it's undefiled. That means it's pure and it's holy. Untouched by sin. Man ain't had nothing to do with it. And look what else it says about it. It says it doesn't fade away. Doesn't fade away. Oh my, things fade away. Things fade away. The world in this fashion is going to fade away. But our Lord Jesus Christ says this inheritance will not just grow dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer as you leave it behind, you know. We're gone and, and, and as we go on down and our children get our inheritance and it goes on down, pretty soon the inheritance is just faded, plumb away, and there's nothing left. He says this here will never fade away. It'll always be the same. Never fade away. And then look what else he said. It's reserved for you in heaven. In heaven is reserved for you. Have you all ever went to a place where they had to, had to have reservations and you had tables and they had your name on the, on the table, you know? And you go around in the building looking around, see if you find, you, see if you find the table had your name on it. You know, you sit down here and you, you know. And I've seen people do this. I've seen people go in and, and, and have tickets, you know, for a certain seat and then they go in and they think, well, the person ain't going to show up in this seat way down here in the front. 
Next thing you know, that person comes up there and that's his. He's paid for that. So these folks got to go way back where they were. We ain't going to have to do that. <laughs> we ain't going to have to do that. We got front row seats and we ain't never had nobody go bring them tickets to bring us back to the back. <laughs> and it's reserved for you in heaven. In heaven. Who? The elect. The redeemed. The regenerated. Those cleansed and justified by the blood of Christ who are looking for Him at His coming. And then my last point there in verse 5. We're preserved. Oh, this is reserved for you, God's elect, those born again by the Spirit of God, those that God gave an abundant mercy to, those that He gave an inheritance to. These are the same, these people, these people. How do we know we're going to get this inheritance? How do we know we're going to go to glory? How do we know that we're going to be who are kept by the power of God? Huh? That's how I know I'm going to get that. God's going to see to it. Huh? Kept by the power of God. Now, let me just look right over to you right just a minute to Jude. Look back over to Jude. That last little tiny one chapter book that's over here. And look what it says in verse 1. Kept by God's power. It takes the power of God to keep us. It really does. But look what he said in verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father, and listen to this, and preserved in Jesus Christ in call. Were you preserved at? <laughs> he said, they'll never be taken out of my hand. Never. And then look down verse 24 of Jude. Verse 24. Now, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. <laughs> That's what he's going to do for us. And then back over in our text, who are kept by the power of God. But now listen to this. Kept through faith. By the power of God through faith. Now what does that mean? That means that God does, when He brings faith, rebellion leaves. God, we're kept through faith, not in rebellion. I remember just a couple of days ago, I was looking at some sermons by C.D. Cole. And, oh, he was, oh, God used him mightily. And, uh, but a fellow, he's a sovereign grace preacher. And he was giving his testimony, and I was reading it, and, and he said he got converted at a very young age, 10, 11, 12, somewhere in there. And then he said, I've done like everybody else did. I went off into the world and I followed the wicked and I was led away with the error of the wicked. And he stayed out in the world till he was 19. And he started attending the service and said, oh, you know, and the preacher was real good. And, and he just picked up right where he left off. And in a little while he was called to preach. But he just, he did never said anything about being regenerated later. He was holding on to that profession that he had back there. Now God don't save a man. Now listen to me. If he gives you faith, that faith is going to hold you and keep you and make you look to, faith looks to Christ, lives on Christ, and leans all its weight on Christ. And if you've got faith here, 
And then you give it up and you go over here ten years later and you pick it right back up. It's not the same thing. Ah, it's not no grace of God in that. The grace of God that teaches us. And I don't have a no more... I have no... I have no... And that's what he said. You're kept by the power of God through faith. Faith. And I tell you, look what he says here now. Unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, this is the way we are. We have been saved. We are being saved and we shall be saved. And I know this, beloved, that faith looks to Christ, lives on Christ, and leads on Christ. And one of these days, our final salvation shall be revealed when Christ comes to get us. And that'll be the end of it. That'll be the end of it. For us, whether He comes and gets us all the time. Two things I'll say about this. There's preservation and perseverance both in that verse. Of God's elect, God's regenerated, God's redeemed people. We're preserved by God's power, and yet there's perseverance through faith. Now, you can't have one without the other. If God didn't preserve us, we wouldn't persevere. But it seems when sometimes our faith, and, and it feels like God's a million miles from us, and we can't feel His presence, we still don't keep on keeping on, don't we? You know why? Because He gave us faith. He said, I'll not depart from them to do them good, and they'll never depart from me. That's what He said. He said, well, He won't leave us, and we not, he's not gonna, we're not going to leave Him. Just ain't going to do it. There's some of you sitting here this tonight. You'll be back here Sunday morning. You'll be back here Sunday night. And you'll be back here next Wednesday. You'll be back here. And, and, and there's just as sure as God's on His throne. I know. And, and because of the gospel that God's done for you. The grace of God has given you. And the things He's worked in you. That you. There's not a doubt in my mind. That God hasn't kept you. And that you haven't persevered. Huh? You've got to have both of them. If God didn't preserve us, how long would we last? And then if we didn't persevere, we wouldn't know we had any faith. <laughs> so they go hand in hand. When we, when we can't stand, God's making us stand. And then, you know, when He feels far away, that's in faith. But I know one thing. Faith, how do you know you got faith? You're looking to Christ. How do you know you got faith? You're living on Christ. How I know you got faith? You're putting all your weight on Christ. All of it. All of it. Elect, redeemed, regenerated, and kept, preserved. That's a pretty good place to be in. Our Father. Oh, our Father. In the blessed, 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 blessed name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, how I thank you. Oh, God, my soul is, reaches out to you in thanksgiving. Lift it up. So, so thankful for the presence of the Lord. So thankful for your word. Thankful for the children of God who sits here and listens so intently and so graciously and so kindly and, and loves your word. And oh, Lord, I thank you for it. Thank you for the work you've done in us, the work you're doing for us. God bless this Lantana Grace Church. Cause it to flourish. Cause it to grow. 
Cause us to grow in grace and knowledge. Cause us to grow and cause your sheep to come in. Bring people in to believe the gospel. Hear the gospel. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Please meet the needs of our homes and the needs of our heart. We thank you in our Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its word. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus.